Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a church that is learning to live like Jesus for the restoration of our city and the renewal of our nation. During the coronavirus outbreak, we have both online and in-person gatherings across all of our sites in and around Cardiff. So wherever you feel comfortable at the moment, you can engage with church. You can find all of the details you'll need on our website, vineyardcardiff.org Sundays. Here's this week's talk from our associate pastor, Alice Meads. Hello. Today we are kind of at an in-between place in terms of our preaching. We have just finished up our Live Like Jesus series, um, or at least our first instalment of uh, the Live Like Jesus series, more to come in the new year. And then next week we are um, going to start our Christmas series, Come and See What God Has Done, which I'm super excited about. Um, Last week, um, if you listened in, you would have heard a talk from a guy called Charles Montgomery, who is a campus pastor at uh, Vineyard Columbus in the United States. And Charles spoke um, about, uh, from the Old Testament, about the moment at the time when the Israelites were in the desert and how God provided for them in their time of need, that they were hungry and God provided them with manna whilst they were in the wilderness. And uh, if, if kind of a key word from last week was hunger, um, the word I felt God give me to talk on this week was the word thirst. As I prayed about what God wanted uh, me to share with you this week um, to us as a church, I had the word thirst. And uh, he led me to uh, the last chapter of the Bible, a, a chapter in the book of Revelation, um, which if you know it at all, it is the last book of the Bible and it is written Um, by a guy called John, who was one of Jesus' disciples. And uh, he has this vision of um, of the future reality, a vision of heaven, um, of what it will look like when Jesus comes again. And if you've ever read it, you'll know that it's kind of packed full of kind of highly symbolic language. It's a complex book. Um, And let's be honest, it's rather crackers at times, (laughs) but it's also rather wonderful too. Let's jump in straight in. We're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 22. And it's a point in the vision that John is having where the angel in this vision leads him to a river. And this is what it says. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. So John, in this vision, he sees this beautiful river flowing through the holy city of God. And just look at the life that this river brings. It talks about a tree at the side of this river that brings fruit in every season. And and it brings healing to all the nations. Now this chapter is the last in the whole Bible. But it wonderfully takes us back full circles, right, full circle right to where the Bible began in the Garden of Eden. Scholars have often um, called this chapter in Revelation, um, Eden Restored. 
um, that it, it refers, it has massive parallel to the story in the Garden of Eden where God was present with his people, where all was as it should be, where they experienced that closeness with him. And likewise, in the Garden of Eden, there was a river as well. And this river went out from the Garden of Eden and brought life to the whole world around it. And so the vision here that John has in Revelation 22 is one of a vision of perfect restoration, of Eden restored, a return to how things were always meant to be before human sin and rebellion got in the way. And as we read in those verses, we read about the Lamb of God, which was Jesus, is Jesus. And Jesus as the Lamb of God, he has broken, as it says in verse 3, the curse, you know, the consequence of our sin, of us of our rebellion from God, that because of what Jesus did on the cross, that curse has been broken. The power of sin is broken. And, and this picture of restoration is of God fully present with his people. In verse four, in verse four it said that um, we um, will be face to face with him and that his name will be on our foreheads. You know, we will be fully known and he will know us as he will know us. And then that last verse I read spoke of the kind of beautiful, light-filled, majestic reality of being in God's presence all the time where there is no darkness and as such there is no uh, suffering, there is no pain. So John creates a beautiful picture here, an image of all that is to come, the future reality that awaits us as followers of Jesus. And it's interesting because the context that John was writing to at that moment, for Christians at that time, it was a time of huge persecution and suffering. And as such, John is, is showing them, pointing them towards this future reality of this glorious reality that awaits them, where all is made right because of what Jesus did on the cross. And he is providing them hope and encouragement for their present reality. And of course, our context, as we read those verses, is very, very different. But our need to hear it is the same. How much do we need to hear that future reality that awaits us as followers of Jesus? And so as well as being a kind of a vision for a future reality, when we get to verse 17 in this chapter, which I'll read, there's an invitation for all of us to follow Jesus, to come to Jesus, and as such to experience that life-giving water um, of God that life-giving presence now. We are invited to this river to come and drink. Verse 17, it talks about the spirit and the bride. So picture this beautiful river and then the spirit of God, the presence of God, his power, the person of God is there by the river and the bride, which is all believers of Jesus that have come before and they're there and they're standing at this river. And this invitation comes out in verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Come. That is the invitation here. Come to all those that are spiritually thirsty and overwhelmed. Come. Come and find the life that is in Jesus Christ. The life that we experience when his presence, his Holy Spirit lives in us. Come and drink the water of life. 
Now, as I said, it's the last chapter in the Bible, but I hope you bear with me if you will. I would love just to map out how that invitation to come and drink freely from the water of life is an invitation that has been there throughout scripture and then finds its kind of culmination, if you were, here in Revelation 22, verse 17. I'd love just to map out all that has led us to this point, if you don't mind. <laughs> so verse 17 that I just read, to come and drink from the water of life, is actually a quote from um, the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. And Isaiah, the prophet, um, in that time, writing hundreds and hundreds of years before the verse we just read, he is um, speaking to the people of God, who at this time are exiled. They have been um, captured and, um, and kind of overcome by the Babylonian Empire. They are the Jewish exiles in Babylon, and, and they, have been, um, they are living far from their homeland. They're exiled um, from the land that God gave them. They are scattered from each other. They're unable to worship at the temple together. They are, as a consequence, they are starting to worship other gods. Life was tough in the Babylonian Empire, you know, living under a foreign oppressor. And um, the economy was tough. You know, they had to work really, really hard just to be able to get by in life, to afford the staples that they needed. So in short, when Isaiah speaks to them in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, that Isaiah shares what God, the message that God puts on his heart for the people exiled in Babylon. And he, as such, is speaking to a thirsty people, a desperate people. And this is what he says, Isaiah 55. This is what God says to his people that are thirsty. Isaiah 55 verse one. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Now the language here, you know, we don't quite get the sense of when we read it in our English translation, but I just picture for a moment like a busy, crowded market, like a Babylonian market, if your imagination will let you stretch that far. and know you're walking through it and people are shouting out to you to come and um, buy whatever it is that they're selling. And that is what the language is like in Isaiah 55 verse one. It's like, come, come here everyone, come, come and look, come and see. That is God's cry in these verses to his people. But he's not selling anything. What he is offering is totally free. Come, come to me and drink this living water. It's without money and without cost. It costs nothing, but it's deeply satisfying. And for the spiritually thirsty exiles in Babylon, this moment in the book of Isaiah, these, this language of hope, would have caught their attention. It would have kind of shouted out like a loud drum, kind of catching their attention. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, was the cry of God through the prophet of Isaiah. And as such, Isaiah was saying that there was a new reality that was coming. So if we then head from the Old Testament into the New Testament, some 600 years later, Jesus of Nazareth turns up and he offers the same cry, come to me all who are thirsty. Come to me, John 7 verse 37. Anyone that is thirsty, have this free drink of life that I would offer for those that would follow me. You know, he says that he was the water, I am the water, the free gift that's on offer, where you will find life and life in abundance. So for his listeners at that time that would have known the Old Testament scripture in Isaiah 55, they would know that Jesus was saying that he was the fulfillment of that promise, that in him, our thirst could be met. 
And as we saw the message of Jesus, just like the river in the, in the Garden of Eden that went out to bring life to the whole world, that Jesus' message went out to bring life to the whole world. You know, it knew no boundaries. We see there's a moment in John 4 where Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman at a well of all places. And um, this woman, you know, she was an outcast in so many ways. You know, on ethnic grounds, she was a Samaritan, so the Jews um, did not like her. <laughs> um, there was a massive rivalry between the Jews and the Samaritans, massive conflict there. Um, she was a woman, which didn't bode well in that time. And she was living with a man that wasn't her husband. So within her own people, she would have been an outcast. And Jesus meets with a woman like that at a well, and he offers her this same invitation in Isaiah 55 to come and drink from the water of life, to experience the life-giving abundance of God's grace and love. This is what he says to her. He says, Every, this is what he says to the lady, everyone who drinks this water in the well will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. So we see this offer, this life-giving water from the book of Eve, from the very start of the, of the Bible in the Garden of Eden, into Isaiah where it is promised to the people of God, into the person of Jesus who personifies this living water that is our offer and promises that that same presence, the presence of God in us, the Holy Spirit, brings that life-giving water in our own life. And we get to the book of Revelation and it's the same market seller cry from the once crucified but now risen Jesus to come. Verse 17, come, let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. You know, the grace that's offered to us through Jesus. Now, why am I telling you all this? Why have I taken you on that whistle-stop tour? <laughs> um, as I prayed on what to talk about today, it was that verse, that verse, that invitation to come to everyone that is thirsty to come. And I felt as such that there were different groups of people listening today that needed to hear this invitation. Firstly, there are some of you who are deeply aware, as I talk, you are deeply aware of your thirst. You know, your words are like those of, uh, of King David in Psalm 63, a famous psalm, you may know it, where he says, you know, my soul cries out to you. Um, I am in a, a dry and weary land where there is no water. My soul cries out to you, God, I'm thirsty. You feel deeply thirsty, you're in a dry and parched land right now. You know, thirst is such a strong bodily need, isn't it? You know, it's stronger than our need for food, isn't it? Our bodies need water more than they need food. Just think of a time that you have been really thirsty. It's a deeply uncomfortable feeling, isn't it? I remember years ago going out to stay with my dad in France, in the south of France in August, um, in the middle of the day, so it was hot. <laughs> it was about 40 degrees, let's say. And we'd gone out um, for a picnic at the side of a river and having this lovely kind of French food, it was lovely. But the only drink my dad had brought with him, I hadn't brought any water, so to be fair, but the only drink that we had with us was some rosé, which was nice at first, but it didn't quite quench the thirst that I was starting to feel in the middle of that heat. And uh, my dad was like, we're just gonna take a short walk and then we'll go back, back home. So we took a short walk, but inevitably got lost. And I remember walking, trying to find where we're supposed to be going, and this feeling of thirst in me was getting more and more desperate, and more and more overwhelming. And I remember we finally found where we were supposed to be going, and we got to this kind of cafe, and my dad was like, anyone want a glass of wine? And me and my sisters were like, water, just give us water. And I remember that satisfaction of finally being able to quench that thirst and that desperate feeling I was feeling. 
It can be really uncomfortable, can't it? Maybe that's a great picture for you today, that you are in, uh, in that time of thirst. You know, maybe like the people Isaiah was talking to, you feel like this has been a time of exile for you, you know, a time of separation, that you've been scattered. It's interesting, in, in, Psalm, in Psalm 63 that I just quoted, David goes on to say, King David goes on to say that his thirst is met when he encounters God in the sanctuary. And uh, by sanctuary, he's talking about the place of communal worship where he's been able to worship God with others. And I know for many of you in this community that that has been one of the hardest things of 2020, is not being able to meet together and worship to, to our heart's content. It's been so difficult, hasn't it? I know for me that when, when I'm finally able to meet with you all and we're all able to worship our socks off, I know for me I will be undone in that moment, just aware of all that's been lost and being unable to do that. But you know what, I felt God say that it's the same presence, whether we meet together or online, whether we meet on our own or with people, whether we are able to sing to our heart's content or whether we have to hum with a level of restraint. His presence is still with us. If you are thirsty today, may I invite you to come back to Jesus. That's the invitation, to trust that he is enough. You know, it's been a hard time as a leader in many ways because you can see the thirst that's there. But it's been unable to meet, you know, you, you, it's, it's been a time of being unable to meet some of the needs that you can see amongst our community. But actually, as I've thought about it and dwelt on it, I've realised that actually as a leader, my job is to offer people, to direct people back to Jesus. He is the only one that can meet your deep thirst. And so may I direct you this morning back to him to remind you that he's inviting you to come to him, you know, to learn to abide in him, to be with him. You know, that's what we've been talking about so much in this season and learning to do that so that you receive that deep drink from him that can quench your thirst, that life-giving Holy Spirit presence in you that can meet the thirst that you feel. So and I, I felt like there was, so that's kind of one group of people, I felt like there was another group of people here that are, that some of us have been busy drinking something else to hide our deep thirst. Now, if you know me at all, you will know that I am a prolific tea drinker. <laughs> I literally can go a whole day and not drink, a not touch a drop of water whatsoever. I'll pour myself a glass of water, but never get around to drinking it. You know, Matt will often joke, if he sees me pouring a glass of water, that I may as well literally tip it straight away down the sink because that's where it's gonna end up anyway. My intentions are good, I intend to drink it. I just never get around to it. I, qu I quench my thirst elsewhere by drinking tea. As humans, we all experience that deep spiritual thirst at times, that drought of the soul that I just talked about. It's part of the human experience. But there's always that temptation for us to then go and meet that thirst elsewhere. You know, whether it's in more stuff, more money, more approval, more power, more affection, more distraction, whatever it is, it's so easy when we feel that thirst to go and drink from somewhere else. To go to other wells to get our water. What wells have you been drinking from this season? Where have you been going to meet your thirst? And the problem is, is that it might quench your th thirst in a moment, but it ultimately doesn't satisfy. You know, every now and again, my body will kind of override my tea drinking addiction. <laughs> 
and it's like something deep within me cries out, enough Alice, no more tea, drink water. My body literally, I suddenly feel this like intense thirst and I'll pour myself like a pint of water and down it. The moment I talked about where Jesus meets this Samaritan woman at the well, it's, it's almost like a, that, that is almost a picture of what this moment is like, that confrontation Jesus has with this woman at the well. You know, Jesus recognises that this woman he is talking to has been meeting her deep spiritual thirst elsewhere. In, for this woman, it was relationship after relationship after relationship. That is the well that she's been drinking from. And Jesus confronts her lovingly but truthfully in that moment. And he challenges the choice she's been making and, and invites her to meet her deep thirst by finding life in him. He says, you, whilst you drink from wells such as these, as other wells that aren't me, you will stay thirsty. Or as Isaiah said in uh, chapter 55, you are labouring on what cannot satisfy. Maybe that's you today, that you are labouring away on ultimately what cannot satisfy. And as such, you're getting dehydrated. You know, in dehydration, if you've ever experienced, one of the things you'll feel is a sense of fatigue tiredness. Maybe that's what you're feeling now, the cracks are beginning to show that you've been drinking from other wells. Some of us need a confrontation at the well with Jesus today, to realise that only he can offer the deep drink that you are craving, to receive the water of life that he offers you. You know, and I recognise that this has been a dry season for many of us, I've said that. But my invitation or my encouragement or yeah, what I would ask you to do is not give up on your faith in this time. Don't drink from other wells at this time. Be faithful to him as he has been faithful to you. You know, often when we use a word like faith, we can often think of it in the same category as like belief. You know, we can exchange those two words, faith and belief. But actually faith in its, in its biggest sense of the, word, uh, of the word is about trust. It's about trusting in God based on what we believe about him. That's what faith is. Faith is trusting that God is big enough, that he is enough for us in this time, that we don't need to drink elsewhere, that he can meet the deep thirst that we feel. Keep your faith in him in this time. Remain faithful to him. Don't look elsewhere. Don't be tempted to, even when it gets tough. Only he can meet the deep thirst you are feeling. Lastly, just finishing, I felt that there was a group of people listening that you are, you're fully hydrated. <laughs> you're full of Jesus. This has been a deep spiritual time, a time of growth for your faith. And as such, I felt like the invitation for you is to look around and see the thirst around you. You know, there is such need at the moment. There's such thirst at the moment. You know, both literally, you know, I literally read this, um, this week, a report on the BBC that talked about how, as a result of COVID, that Wales is facing a, ra a, a, like a, a rising tide of poverty. That before COVID, a quarter of people in Wales were living in poverty. And now that is just increasing and increasing and increasing. That is not okay. There's a, there's a literal need around us, but there is also far beyond that, a spiritual thirst all around us right now. You know, a spiritual thirst as, as the wells that people normally drink from have been drying up or at least being found to be deeply unsatisfying. I think there is a thirst going on around us. And I'm praying that God would use us 
as people that know what it is to drink from the river of life, that have said yes to that invitation to come and drink from the river of life. God is inviting us to guide people to that river. To experience the grace and mercy that is abundant and free and on offer to all that would come and say yes to Jesus. Where we are fully known, where we see him face to face one day, where we will be fully known and loved. I just wanted to finish by reading those verses where, uh, in, again in Revelation, you know, ending where I began. Revelation chapter 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. The Spirit and the Bride say come and let the one who hears say come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Amen.